Peter 3.21 says this. The like fither, figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful for your harvest. We're thankful that the kingdom is growing and expanding. And we just pray, God, tonight as we talk about baptism and as baptism takes place, Lord, we believe your spirit is already here. Lord, we rejoice with these people who used to be sinners, but they found you and they've been made new in Christ Jesus. We give you praise in your name, God. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you love the Lord, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's good to see everybody here tonight. It's good to see some of our brethren from the uh, John 3.16 with us tonight. Give them a great big hand of appreciation. We love these guys, wonderful guys. They get to be able to get back there before service started and shake their hands, but we're glad to have everybody here. Did we have an awesome move of the Holy Spirit this morning? How great and how good our God is. And we're going to have, see, we've been seeing results of what God's move does. And we're going to be seeing some of those results tonight by the service that's taken place. Tonight we're going to be doing something very special in the service, something that you know is very, very, very dear to my heart. Just in a few moments, we are going to be baptizing some people into water. And uh, before we do, I want to make sure that all of us here in this sanctuary understand what baptism is and what baptism is not. It's not going to be a normal type of preaching tonight because it's going to be more of a teaching. And I know that I can't hardly teach because I get to wanting to preach. And, uh, but I will try to get us an understanding of what water baptism is and what it is not. That's vitally important. And some of you that are here, I've preached this sermon before on many different occasions and other water baptism sermons. And you think, well, you know, that, that, you know why are you repeating? yourself because we got new converts coming in that don't know anything about this and we got a disciple how many knows what I'm talking about we got to know why we're doing what we're doing and not only that there's only so much to say about water baptism because it is what it is you can't add to and you can't take away from it and when you get into the scripture you see that the water baptism is vitally important for our growth for our maturity and for our obedience in the Lord Jesus Christ but the first thing that we have to do is understand that every time that you read the word baptism are baptized within scripture that doesn't always refer to necessarily water baptism. A lot of people when they begin to begin to read the word of God and they come across and they were baptized or they or talks about baptism they automatically think that that meant to be baptized in water but that is not always necessarily true. There are actually three different baptisms mentioned within scripture but even though all three of them are important and all are significant to our faith in Jesus Christ yet one of them hold preeminence over the other two. The first baptism sets the order of arrangement for the other two to actually happen or for the other two to be validated. Even though one of the two can occur, yet it is void and rendered ineffective without this first baptism being effective within our lives. One of the baptisms cannot even happen until the first baptism happens in our lives. Let's look at it. The baptism that holds preeminence over the other two is what we call the baptism of faith. How many knows that there is a baptism of faith within scripture. And it, it, this baptism is found in numerous scriptures and it is revealed to us all throughout the word of God. Paul spoke of the baptism of faith in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Listen to what he said. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink of that spiritual drink. All of us have been able to drink of that same spiritual drink. Now, first of all, notice 
here that the Bible says that we are all baptized into one body. Now that is a baptism of faith. We did not see it. We, did, we experienced it in a supernatural way, but yet a lot of times we don't even know what is happening to us when it occurs. But it is a baptism of faith. This is not talking about water baptism, but it's speaking of a spiritual baptism that occurs into that it occurs as we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and we're baptized in what we call the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that it is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that is the agent of this baptism. In other words, he's the baptizer. By one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's what the Scripture tells us. It is the Spirit who is the baptizer. And where does he baptize us? He baptizes us in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is speaking of the work of regeneration that is done by the Holy Spirit when we get saved. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When you and I got saved and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord by faith, the Holy Spirit then took our dead spirit that was dead in trespasses and sins according to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and he baptized it in the blood of Jesus Christ and he regenerated it which means he made it completely new. Now let me explain that. When you were uh, before you were ever even born again in the, in the kingdom of God you were born as a sinner. You and I were born into sin just like when Adam sinned. Adam uh, sinned uh, when he, his sin affected his spiritual life. The, the Lord told, told God told him, the day that you eat of that forbidden fruit, you shall surely die. Adam ate of that fruit, but he didn't die for several hundred years later. But that day that he ate of it, he died spiritually. His eyes were open. He became naked and ashamed. And from that day forward, the man's spiritual man has been dead. How many knows that man was created in body, soul, and spirit? God breathed in the breath of life into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. He was not only alive physically, but he was alive spiritually. And when he sinned, his spirit died in trespasses and sins that day. And ever since that day, sin has been passed through one man by the name of Adam, and you and I have been born as a sinner, and our spiritual man has been dead. But when we come to Jesus Christ, and we ask him to forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we ask him to save us, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit takes our dead spirit and he pulls it out and he baptizes it and emerges it in the blood of Jesus Christ. He pulls it out and he justifies it as if it has never sinned and he looks at it and says, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, regenerated, our spiritual man comes alive. That's what's called the new birth. Amen. You're born into the kingdom. And when you get born again, your spirit comes alive. Can you say amen? Now, the flesh man does not always know that, and there's war between the flesh and the spirit. But it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of man, or it's not a work of flesh. Salvation cannot be dependent upon the human element. If a person wants to be saved, nothing can stop them from being saved. If you believe that, clap your hand for praise. Thank God you don't need me to be saved. Amen. The Spirit baptizes us in the blood of Jesus Christ. He washes us from our sin, and it's not 
by the works of a man. This is why that Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, for as much as you know, you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold and from the vain conversations that you and the traditions that you received from your father, but you are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. This baptism is not into water that he's talking about, but this baptism is a baptism of blood. It's not in water that washes, it's not the water that washes away our sin, but it is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that our sins are washed away. Can you say amen? This is why Revelations 1 and 5, speaking of the washing, says, and from Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I like what 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 says. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We are cleansed we are sanctified, we are washed, and we are clean, not by water, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood on Calvary, and that blood washes us, regenerates us, makes us new, justifies us in the sight of God, and it's what causes our spirit to come alive, being born again, not by flesh, not by the, not by the uh, will of man, but by the will of God. Can I have an amen? If you believe that, give the Lord play, praise. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The baptism is strictly a baptism of faith. It's done by the Holy Spirit. This is why that Paul referred to this baptism in Ephesians 4, 4, and 5. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is simply only one baptism of faith in the body, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus said in reference to this baptism, and many think that he's talking about water baptism when he says it, but he's not. Mark 16 and 16, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Notice some very key scriptures there. This baptism happened to do to believing. He says, if you believe, then and baptize you shall be saved. But if you believe not, you're being damned. In other words, not believing is what literally cancels out the water, the baptism here. It's not water baptism, it's a spiritual baptism. The only way this spiritual baptism happens is by you getting saved and the Holy Spirit baptizing you in the body of Christ. This is why that Paul said in Galatians 3.27, speaking of the Spirit's baptism and not of that of water, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Water baptism does not baptize you into Christ. The spiritual baptism baptizes us into Jesus Christ. How many knows that? Can you have an amen in the house? Now let's go to the second baptism. I'm trying to hurry because I'm wanting to get in the water. The second baptism I will be mentioning is not necessarily second because the other baptism or the third can actually occur or happen any time after salvation. Either one of these can happen first, but, but I, want us, I want us to focus here just a little bit on water baptism. The second baptism that I want to mention is this of water. I, now, I know that there are many that say that you have to be water baptized in order to be saved. There's a lot of people that believe that. This simply contradicts Scripture. That's not true. Water baptism in Scripture simply stands as a witness or a symbol of the believer's baptism in the body by faith. 
This baptism is simply an outward testimony or witness of the inner work that the Holy Spirit has already done in your life. It serves as a believer's confession, a believer's testimony to the world that they have been saved. Here just in a few moments, we're going to have people that are going to be baptized in water. Some are redoing their baptism. Some are being baptized for the first time. When they go over there, that is an outward witness of the inward work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It is an open confession to this congregation and anybody else that wants to view it that they are standing up and testifying with their life in water baptism. We are saved. Amen. Give them a hand already before they ever even come up. They have been planted in Christ in death in the spiritual baptism under surrenderance, buried with him where they have died out to themselves, but they raised anew in the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians 2.12 says. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised, raised him from the dead. Now, matter of fact, your water baptism is useless unless you've been born again by the Spirit of God and baptized into his body by the Spirit. If one has not been saved by repentance and confession of sin and believe and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, then water baptism absolutely means nothing in their life because they go in as a dry sinner and they come out as a wet sinner because water baptism does not save you. Hallelujah. That went over weak. Amen. This is why that the confession of sin has to be first before water baptism can be effective and serve as a testimony of our salvation. This is why that it says in Mark 1 and 5 that the people came to John the Baptist to be baptized, confessing their sin, it says. John's whole message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. His whole message on the baptism of repentance was for the remission of sin was John's whole message. It was repentance that caused him to be able to baptize converts. Repentance was necessary in the, for the forgiveness of sin and was necessary before one could be baptized into water. The water wasn't the agent that saved. It was the confession and the repentance of sin which caused the baptism into the body to take place in the blood of Christ that actually saves us. And this is why that when the eunuch came to the water hole and he asked Philip after hearing Isaiah chapter 53, he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and through his stripes were healed and Philip begins to tell him what all that meant about how that Jesus would go to the cross, how he would be our substitute, how he would die on that cross, how that, that our sin would be rolled over on him and he would take our punishment. He explained that to Philip and then Philip says, well what does hinder me, to, the eunuch asked Philip, what does hinder me to be baptized? And then Philip, after telling him that story, says, well, if thou believest with all of your heart, if you believe in what I've told you, you can. You can. The eunuch then said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then verse 39 says, and Philip commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. But Philip baptized him on the confession of his faith that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Can I have an Amen. It was John the Baptist himself that said in Luke chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, 
Then he seen the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. He said, oh, you generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. John says, I can't baptize you. You don't have any fruits of repentance. He literally rejected people for water baptism because they had not first made a confession of faith and repented. And can I tell you folks that uh, you and I, if we're going to be water baptized and it be effective, we have to come to know Jesus Christ by the way of the cross. We got to come to know Jesus Christ by the way of Calvary. We got to be born again. Amen. John rejected people for water baptism on the basis that they had not fully repented or fully been converted. And it was Jesus himself that told that same bunch, go clean the inside of the cup and platter that the outside may be cleaned also. In other words, have a spiritual inner renewal before you come to be baptized. The inward work of faith through the baptism of the body has to be done first before one can be baptized in water. This is why that John said in John 4 and 2, Jesus baptized no man, only his disciples. Do you realize while Jesus on the earth for 33 years, there's not one recorded place where he baptized anybody in water? But yet Jesus saved a lot of people, didn't he? How do we know that? Because how many times did he tell people? He'd tell them, go and sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. Thy faith has made you whole. Thy sins be forgiven thee. He told that over and over and over and over. And the scribe said, he blasphemeth. Who can forgive sins but God alone? He said that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon the earth to forgive sins. I say unto the sick and the palsy, rise up and walk. And they got up and walked. He said, whether is it easy to do that or to say thy sins be forgiven thee? Oh, now I'm trying to preach a little bit, ain't I? Oh, God, help me. Let me shake that off for a minute because I'm about to get stirred up here. It was Paul himself that said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, 17, and 18, I thank God that I baptize none of you, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice what Paul said. Paul said, number one, I want you to know, I baptize none of you. I'm glad I don't because there was a big fight who this one's saying uh, they baptized in the name of Apollos and this was saying I baptized this and that and they were fighting over it and all that and Paul come and corrected them. Paul said, well, I just want to stop and just say I thank God that I baptized none of you. He said, because I want to tell you what God's called me to do. He didn't call me to come and baptize. He called me to come to preach the gospel. Lest the gospel be made none of effect by all of this. And then he said, the preaching of the cross may seem to be foolish, but it's the preaching of the cross that brings about salvation and brings about the power of God. So we see that salvation is through the cross. Amen? So once again, water baptism serves as a symbol or an outward witness of the inward work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That which the Holy Spirit did spiritually, water baptism is a symbol of that. So why do we get baptized? First of all, it's an open, outward confession of our salvation. Mark chapter 8 tells us, whosoever therefore will be ashamed of me and and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. I want to tell you, if somebody don't want to be baptized after they're saved, they need to go back to Calvary. It's something that we need to do because we're making an open confession. If we're ashamed of him and this adulterous generation, he'll be ashamed of us as well. It's an open testimony, an open witness. I'm saved by grace through faith. That not of myself, it is the gift of God. Amen? 
And the second reason we get baptized to follow the Lord is to follow the Lord in obedience because Jesus commanded us to be water baptized. In the Great Commission, in the book of Matthew, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. True discipleship is seen and manifested in water baptism. Amen? These people are going on to grow in their faith and grow in their maturity because they've been saved, they've been born again, they're making an open statement, they're giving their testimony, and they want to grow in grace so they're following Christ in obedience. Water baptism is a baptism of works. Notice what Ephesians 4, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. The agent that baptizes us in water is man. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's man that baptizes us in water. And remember, man has nothing to do with our salvation. What would happen if you wanted to get saved and you couldn't find a man to baptize you? And let me tell you something. Man has nothing to do with your salvation. 1 Peter 3 and 21 of our text sums it up. The light figure wherein does baptism does now also save us? No. He goes on and says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but... uh, but uh, the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the third baptism, I'm going to hit this real fast, and then we're going to baptize. The third baptism I want to talk about is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit can actually take place at any time after salvation. As a matter of fact, there were people that were filled with the Holy Spirit before they were ever water baptized in Scripture. This is proof that water baptism doesn't save simply because no one can be filled with the Holy Spirit without being saved. Amen? You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be, a, not be a, a, a Christian, not be saved. And these people were filled with the Holy Spirit before they were ever even water baptized. You remember when Peter, in Acts 10 and 47, he went down to Cornelius' household and he began to preach. And the Bible says as Peter preached the word of God, fell upon the ears of those that heard him, and the Holy Ghost fell upon them, and they heard them that uh, fell upon them that heard the word. And it says, and they heard them speak in tongues and glorify God. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then Peter says in verse 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? In other words, he's saying, hey, who can forbid them from being baptized? They've been baptized in the Holy Ghost just like you and I have. It was a witness that they were saved as well. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of promise. This is what John 14, 16, 17 says about what Jesus said to us. And I will pray to the Father, he will send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus promised that to his disciples. The agent of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. Why do I know that? Matthew 3 and 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. In other words, if you're going to have water baptism, it's going to be a preacher that's going to do it, and he's going to accept you on the basis of your repentance. Amen? That's what John said. I, John the Baptist, are going to baptize you. I indeed baptize you into water under repentance. But he that cometh after I, who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to tie or delights, it says, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now notice you have 
a different baptizer here. It's Jesus Christ himself that baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. You want to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Fall in love with the baptizer. Fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to break it down and then we'll quit. We have three baptisms. Number one, there's the baptism in the body. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is the baptizer. Blood is the substance. That's what he baptizes you in. And it's a baptism of faith. Simply faith. But then there's the baptism in water. Man is the baptism. Water is the substance. And it's a baptism of works. And then number three, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the baptizer. The Spirit is the substance. And the fire of the Spirit's the substance. And it is a baptism of promise. So you have three different baptisms taking place here today. And the one that we're going to be doing tonight, and you never know, people might get filled with the Holy Ghost being baptized. That can happen, amen? Because they're following the Lord in obedience. I'm going to ask Mike to go ahead and get ready because I think he's going to do the children first. Mike, are you, are you ready? Is he ready? He's got a couple of children that he's going to do. He's our children's pastor. Then Zach's going to be doing some of our teenagers. And then I'm going to be doing the adults, the Lord willing. So uh, would you stand with me? Let's have a word of prayer together. And let's ask the Lord to be with us in this baptism tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for these that are coming and those that are renewing their faith and those that are beginning to testify of their faith for the very first time in their lives. We pray that, God, that tonight that you will bless, that you will pour out your spirit upon these candidates, that is God bringing a testimony to your name of the power of salvation that's been imputed and imparted to them through regeneration and justification of life. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray, God, as they follow you in obedience, that you would just pour out, God, the richest blessings of your spirit upon their lives, that you would lead and guide them and direct them and honor them for standing for you here this night. We applaud you. We glorify you and we magnify you for the works upon the children of men that you're doing. We thank you for every soul that gets saved in this church and and those that are God being touched by your spirit and brought into the family of God. We glorify you and we praise you here this night in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you.